Hello, I'm Hunt Etheridge. I'm an award-winning dating and relationship expert, TV personality, coach, matchmaker, writer, entrepreneur, husband, father, bon vivant, and all-around swell guy. I've been in the love industry for over 15 years and have been following all the ups and downs of today's dating dilemmas. I teach my clients that dating is a mix of biology, psychology, sociology, and anthropology. To understand our motivations, the motivations of the person sitting across from you, and the motivations of society at large, we have to delve into different aspects of it at different times to understand the machinations behind it so we can maximize our benefits. To keep myself updated, I'm constantly reading studies on all sorts of topics that can help me better understand my clients and what's going on out there. I've pulled together some of the most brilliant minds from across different fields to share what the data is telling us and how that can impact each and every one of our lives. This is Hunt for Relationship Science. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me on my first inaugural podcast. So it is exciting to be here. It's exciting to talk to you. Um, and I want to talk about a couple of, well, I have two of your studies here. Got masculinity and mental illness in and after men's intimate partner relationships. And mapping men's mental health, help seeking after an intimate partner relationship breakup. And if you see... Both are, are are highlighted. They've been they've been read and gone through, and uh, so obviously your work has come up a lot. And I'm sure like, it seems that this data set, the Australian and Canadians, you're using for multiple studies. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So our general approach Hunt, is that we um, we'll do the interviews, and then we'll look for um, to answer the primary questions that we pose at the front end. But also, our analysis gets better the more time we get to spend in the data. And so we'll cut things up in different directions. So those two are two of five empirical cuts. Um, and we'll, we'll stop there. We'll, yeah, five is plenty. But, um, but our analysis has actually gotten, I think it's gotten better as we've gone on. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's and it leads to more questions and, and let's go look, look at that and let's regress it for something different. And, you know, I, again, why I find all of this stuff fascinating as well. Um, so just in general, like what drew you to science and relationships in general? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. Usually I have my own ideas, right. And, um, just build the research around them and uh execute you know as well as i can and but this one was different movember who's a charity for men's health mm -hmm. contacted me and asked me to do some work in relationships and i'm like oh okay because we'd been in the suicide prevention space for men for many years and i'm like okay and they sort of said oh we'd like to get upstream of suicide uh, for <laughs> guys by having them build better relationships. So we're sort of keen on you talking to some guys about breakups and about relationships to get an angle on us building something that would help them be better, show up better in their relationships. So it was kind of like, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a stretch because I just had never really thought about it. Um, 
in in certainly in academic terms i had not thought about in research terms and so it was like amazingly interesting to me i was like a kid in a candy shop because um just because it was new and i i don't recall talking to a lot of guys about relationships because there's something about the sanctity of it you know like um even for myself like i, I keep things pretty in-house right and um so it was so interesting just massively interesting yeah. oh yeah I, I i there's a lot going on with men these days i just finished the book man out too um yeah. and it's uh and I just had a conversation about how to reconnect uh, after COVID on another podcast. Just again, how our social mus muscles have atrophied and just looking at the tiny little bits of data that are starting to trickle out from the last three years, you know, I find fascinating as well too, but men are, yeah, men are not in a good place and we're sort of headed into worse area unless we can figure some stuff out from, you know, lack of civic, uh, um, you know, engagement, uh, uh, lack of jobs, lack of blue collar jobs, um, crushing, you know, all the stuff, crushing debt, all the fun yeah. stuff out there. And especially something unique is that at least up until 1982, men had a job that could be the provider. Didn't matter what else was going on in your life. Like as long as you could provide, you were a man. That's that was kind of a core of masculinity, which is a question I want to get into uh, a little bit later as well, too. But now that that core is does not necessarily need to be there anymore. Um, I think men are having trouble figuring out what their role in a relationship is, um, especially at least what I see in New York City, too, is a lot of my successful and powerful females. Um you know, say, where are all the guys? But the average guy looks at a woman that has it all and doesn't see where he could fit in or what needs that she has that he could help with if he's not providing. And so I, I, I coach my women on let there be a space, you know, let him know what, what that is. And I also, you know, instruct my men that you, you need to figure out what you want to bring to the table and what do you bring to the table? Yeah. What's your competitive advantage if you want to look at it as a buyer's and seller's market? And it also used to be that men just needed to show up and be a provider. That's it. It was a baseline, but it's it. It didn't matter what their personality was, things like that. And now women are asking for more. And yeah. that more is just normal, normalcy, like yeah. breathe, respect, things like that. And yeah. men are getting pissed at that you know the incels and stuff like that the red pills are getting pissed that they have to actually do something like show actually show up in the relationship right now too so it's it's just fascinating watching all of these factors at work yeah just to say Hannah, i totally i totally feel you on this um we we've we've done a follow-up study and um you know the results of that will be coming in the next couple of years but um we interviewed guys um 19 to 44 years of age about what an equitable and sustainable intimate partner relationship is and wow a hundred odd guys from across the world and it's just we're still making sense of that data but but to your point um there is you know it's not it, like those providers in the 80s 
they were absent providers. Like that was the model. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we, we, we were the original latchkey right? kids. Yeah. You know, raise yourself. Be back by dinner. <laughs> and so these guys, as young as they are, deal with that forefather thing and and no blueprint, no template. Because um, as you say, things have changed and, and they're trying to adapt. And so it's been fascinating to talk to young blokes about that exact thing, you know, that like where's the map, where's the template, what do you see? And and I don't want to give it all away, but just to say the guys we speak to don't don't understand equity, like, but they do understand equality and they crave There is equality. a big difference between those two. Yeah. Yeah. There is a massive difference. And so and 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 I I, I worry that we're using the wrong language, you know, and and so part of the buy-in for guys might be, it might be more palatable to talk about equality, you know, uh, and espouse it than, uh, than get into the equity space. But anyway, it's a, it's a complicated world. And when I talk to young fellows, I, I'm, I'm struck by how thoughtful many men are about the whole thing. You know, like they're engaging a, a kind of a, a gender critique and, and and relations piece that perhaps um, I don't I don't recall this having that sort of level of sophistication when I was growing up just to say I, I joke that uh, I'm 46 so I joke that when I was growing up we had Maxim magazine and Spike TV and that was about it for our, like our resources <laughs> so uh, we didn't we didn't we didn't you know there's two things at play there's one that men if we want for physiologically just aren't built as well to be communicators in you know relationships in in all types of relationships and then a lack of resources you know the women they had oprah 17 uh, hallmark channel not all of those are great advice but at least there was a place to go and would let to search it out so you knew that you could at least find some answers so at least i mean with the advent of the internet it has been wonderful for good like-minded people to find each other and then horrible for the other like-minded people to find each other <laughs> you know it used to be it was just that was just old george at the end of his property yelling things that nobody paid attention to anymore yeah. but now you've got thousands of old georges all together um and I mean, I'm fascinated by the incel culture. I'm fascinated, like scared because the, the lone wolf killings and things that happen with this. And I mean, let's see, I won't, I won't be able to cite all of them from memory, but the, uh, that men are affected more so emotionally than women after an intimate partner breakup mm -hmm. and the new data is showing that when they are rejected, they start going right. They start uh, looking, taking, wanting to take away rights from both women and immigrants that have nothing to do with the situation at hand. You know, so there's so much going on in this. Um, and, you know, it's not the fault of the women in any sort of way because of the rejecting, because men don't have enough emotional uh, control of their bodies to be able to regulate because men don't give each other affirmations and validations. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know it keeps spinning around and around and around. And I think just at least being able to identify what and how things are going can at least help us to understand and help. I mean, this is why I like reading these things so I can understand what's going on in the world and and, and to intimately help my my uh, clients as well too. Plus, 
you know, there are lies, damned lies and statistics. So I know that I can find the study to back up anything I want to say. It's not, this is right. And here's a study. Here's, this is what I want to teach or say. And here's a study to back it up. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, like the, 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 just the prolific highway of information now, which again is an artifact of the internet and accessibility to that stuff. Yeah, you're right. We can write a front end of a paper that, that is, um, you know, lauded with, uh, with empirical moments that we, cherry pick to make the argument that we want and 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 look sometimes that you need to do that and um uh, and other times you know it just it just puts out things that are debatable and and that's okay sometimes the conversation is important but uh you can get some pretty uh <laughs> some pretty big views going around that are pretty discordant and um you know some of which are unhelpful i think in in the in the masculinity space so yeah, and I sure, think, that I think. It, yeah. it, um, and you mentioned this in the seeking help seeking after intimate partner relationship is that, and with all this whole data set, is that they responded to you. And, and those are obviously people that do reach out because right. they reached out yep. to you or yep. they're online or, yep. or things like that. And I know it's hard to not yep. self select, you know, especially, I mean, the college student college students are basic our baseline of almost all psychology which is mm -hmm. yes. interesting in and of itself so yeah. you know i know that that it, it, like you said too it's like we we only know what we know um but at least it can start helping us understand what's going out there what would i kind of summed up a little bit but what would you say is going on with men right now in in the context of relationships or or more generally i just say generally because it, it, it manifests itself i just say that um I'd say that Kimmel called it probably a decade ago that the milestones are later, you know, for, for men. Of, of, if at of, all. Yeah, yeah, if at all, right, of the current generation. So, uh, and, and, and the current couple last generations, right? So then, so then it makes it harder, um, it, it more challenging for vision. And so how do you envision it's going to look or where am I headed? Do I have a plan? And I... Would say that extends to relationships. I, I I often make the point that relationships happen to me. It's mm -hmm. like bystander stuff. It's like I you went into the relationship. What were you hoping to achieve? Like what what was your end game? Oh, I just liked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that was it. I mean, uh, which is fair enough. Like it's a good start, but it's like you know most things we plan um, career uh, day to day appointment to appointment, you know, whatever. Um, and this just looked like a blind spot. So anyway, all that to say, um, I just, I think, I think there's a lot of challenges for fellas these days. And as you mentioned, this coming out of the COVID stuff, um, if we are indeed coming out of it, yeah. um, just to say, Heavily knocking yeah, on wood. Um, just to say, we've known for a very long time that when um, there's economic hardship, when there's transition after transition that you have no control over, it's a recipe for real mental health challenges for everybody. But we know, especially for blokes, they tend to have a lot of trouble in and around those issues because they converge. And it's like the collateral damage is, is really tough to contain. So there is a lot of challenges out there. And if you're trying to launch at this point in history as a young man, um, you know, there's a lot of adaption that's got to get got to get done and you've got to be able to roll with multiple 
you know, challenges, I would, I would say, you know, so it's a Yeah, there's no one time. cause or one source for all of this. Nah. I do think, and I'm not sure where I saw someone list this, that I think to sum it all up or to boil it all down, I think that men have lost their sense of purpose. And I think that comes in with money and, 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 you know, just working these mick jobs or, you know, there's a lot of dudes that would love to be gardeners or janitors. But can't afford it or can't go get a girl by having that you know and so they're forced to be in a job that they hate to make enough money to try to date which is you know and and you know i think and then i think also even people like i i i'm a carpenter i like you know this is my drop down table i built all the shelves and stuff in the back because i like to physically work with my hands and when i look at something that i built it fills me with pride and confidence because I have the power to influence my environment. And so it's a, it's, it's a visual and visceral reminder of, of that I have control over my immediate area. And I think sometimes that if you're just a short seller at a hedge fund, what do you do? You know, and it's, it's, you might get out of your day and like, I didn't achieve anything. And so, or it's harder at least to feel it. But when you can like, you know, step back from a hard day's worth of work and visually see something, I think that affects you. And I think it, it affects your, your sense of purpose as well too. So what I teach some of my men, if you're in a job that doesn't fulfill you in a way, you need to find something else that can do that in some other way. But again, guys aren't used to, I saw in, in, in one of your, um, comments that you know men seem to have a higher pain threshold before they go and ask for help right and yeah because it's usually like until it gets really bad and then like like we go to the doctors too it's like oh my arm's falling off i guess i should probably go to the doctor now yeah um well here's uh how can men help and support each other because i yeah. think that that's a lot of the issue i um you know, I think it's it is about permission and it is about affirmation. So, so this is not easy work. So I think we simplify this a bit and we say, oh, look, just reach out to a mate or or um, shoot the breeze; it'll be all right, and he'll be he'll be able to to work with you, and everything will be all right. It's it's hard work. It's actually hard work, and it's skilled work. So we need to be able to ask open ended questions. We need to be able to sit with what's said. We need to be able to stand back and not try and solve someone's problems, but just bear witness, um, to work through, to encourage them to think about the things that have worked in the past, some things that could potentially be helpful, you know, some sharing. And oftentimes when guys disclose, um, there'll be a really lovely connection. The other bloke will wander off. The guy who's disclosed will wander off. And the imperative is to follow up. Because if you do not, there is just all this embarrassment. There's this, oh, did I say too much? I don't, I don't self-disclose and I just poured my heart out. I can't be doing that. And he stood off me. I'm not, I'm not hearing from you. So it's, so, it's quite complex. And, and guys have got to, who are interested in, in being there for their mates, because most of us are, um, it's really important that we follow some rules, right? Yeah, that's this uh, self-disclosing yeah. and liking. People like it for the most part when you talk to them they do they love it it's an elixir and i i think when we interview guys as well just to the studies that that you've got there you know when we interviewed them on zoom because of the lockdown 
They were lonely, like, right? And they just talked and talked and talked, often about something they'd never talked to anybody about. Mm -hmm. And we loved it. It's great. It's just really lovely to be able to have those chats. And but it's also a little it, sad, Alexa. just knowing that it, it, a researcher in a professional setting is the most friendship conversation that right. they had in X amount of time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it underscores what you say. They want to talk. Yeah. They just want to oh, talk. I right? am. So I didn't have, or I was noticing that I didn't have as many guy friends as I used to, as we don't, as we get older. And it's kind of hard to just go out and meet dudes. So I, I did a little bit of asking around. Um, I have kids. And so I started a dad's group because there just aren't any, you know. And so we meet at a beer garden. We bring our kids and we have fun. And the last time there, I think there was like 12 dads and 15 kids running around and it was, it was a lot of fun, but I had one guy come up to me and say, I haven't had this much fun since college. I didn't know we could do this. Yeah. You know, and it made me both happy and sad. Again, I'm happy that I can give this to you, but I like, I've never met you before in my life. I'm a stranger and you're just showing up for two hours and this is, this is the most fun you've had since college. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah. you know, yeah. and I, I hear from all of my, my wife's friends you know they talk about their husbands too. It's like yeah they say they want to meet guys but they don't know how to do it and you know and that's why i wrote that uh that latest article on how to reconnect after covid as well too because it's the same skills dating and friendship and sales are all the same skill set it's just a matter of what you want for the outcome and i've taken it upon myself to eat the embarrassment uh because it's not really you just it's you know as you know, we create our own reality in our heads. And so if a guy goes up and talks to someone and doesn't go the way they wanted to, what do they say? I got rejected. <laughs> I failed two really hard words and it's not the case in either way. But if I set up a, a dad's group and nobody comes that day, it is not about me. It is not a reflection of, of, my, of who I am as a person. And I can not let that affect me. It was helpful to be an actor and hear no yeah. many times yeah. to, to understand that they're not rejecting me just not right for the part you know uh, yeah. and i think that that so that's, I, I just call them non-starters for my guys like it's not that you didn't get rejected it's a non-starter in order to reject something you have to know it compare it against something else you know look at the pros and cons choose one reject the other so yeah. you didn't get rejected and then with a the failure i said like did you learn something yes then you didn't fail yeah but this is the reality that we tell ourselves too. And yeah. so, you know, we tell ourselves no one wants to hear from me. Uh, I don't know where the, that recent study is, but uh, basically that everyone wants you to reach out more than people underestimate the it's value of reaching out. To so others. true. So true, um, isn't it? Yeah. Because if yeah. you if you hook up and you just have a chat and it's and it's and it's a bit of fun, if it's for an hour, if it's for a couple of hours, whatever, you know, um, and you make the time for it, you, you, you get the benefits. You honestly get the benefits yeah, and, you, and you feel it, right? And I'd even say of your dad's group, I often reassure folks who are strong enough and courageous enough to bring a group together that if someone shows up once and never comes back again, you might have fixed them. <laughs> like they might, they, that might have been the dose response they needed and it might not be they didn't enjoy the group. It might be, hey, I love that, I'm out. But I loved it. I got, the, I got what I needed you... and now I can use this to, to continue on. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple. Like I just had a guy that, <coughs> excuse me, contacted me, newly separated with a seven-month-old. You know, and it's like, dude, I'm here for you. Like yeah. I'm, 
I, I, and so I do say the things too, because I, one, I'm an oversharer. My therapist tells me that I have boundary <laughs> issues and that I have none. But when you're an oversharer, it gives people, one feels like they can open up because you are already opening up. And if you're the one that takes the embarrassment, like that's, I think why dad jokes are so important is because it, the kids around it go, oh my God, no one's going to say anything more embarrassing than my dad just did. So then it allows them to have a little bit more conversation because your dad just ate that embarrassment. Yeah. And so I'm okay with putting myself in the forefront of this because as every guy says, said to me, I, I wish I could do this. I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And, I, and your point to humor is a great one because I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the teasing that we do with each other, you know, with guys, but but the humour, when it's not at anyone's expense and it's just like, yeah, I'm not taking myself too seriously, it's such a great leveller of the hierarchies that typically exist within a group of guys. Mm -hmm. So it just flattens the curve, right? And and I think, I think it's a great way of just, you know, that we're not taking ourselves too seriously. It's fun. I'm enjoying this. It's meant to be fun, yep. you know. That's um, it. And, and we're not going to sit and talk about anything. Right. No, we're just going to be here and we'll tell poop stories. And that's what we need as a guy. Just someone that's to it. like, also because as I don't know if you have children, but like once you have children, like no one wants to hear about your children as much as you want to talk about your children. Right. So being around other people, like now we get to tell people yeah. about our kids. Um, yeah. So I, and I have been forming new relationships in this and, and meeting guys that I like. And I'm, I am, I am, I am, I'm happy that I am able to, you know, that's what I say, the def the easiest and truest definition of power is the ability to influence your environment. That's it. Totally. And I am happy that I have learned and understand that all of us have such abilities to influence our environments. We just, it's like uh, potential energy versus kinetic energy. It's all in us all the time. Just don't really know how to manifest it sometimes. Or again, your fear of loss or fear of face or fear of failure of all those things that, you know, get, get cycled up in your head as well too. Yeah, it can, and then not having, not knowing how to have an outlet. You know, I saw that um, in your in the one of the studies, the the, the yellow one. Um, people went back to therapy, but most re went back to therapy as opposed to found therapy for the first time. How can you make it easier for men to access mental health? for the first time yeah right i so you know conversations like this are helpful because we we kind of we norm it in a way that i think that you know the breakup traumas these guys went through um were amongst the biggest challenges in their lives and so it would make sense that if you wanted some impartial help because friends and family can be great but if they start dissing on the ex-partner that's really hard because they're, they're here to help. support you right not necessarily yeah. to help yeah. And so, you know, these guys uh, who who did reach out and, and got, you know, the some just some strategies. And I think, look, one of the main ones that I keep hearing from guys is is to is to get it inward. Like so it's very easy to blame. It's very easy to feel cheated, um, irrespective of the circumstances of the breakup. But when they get to the introspection about what they might do better, show up better. That's the deal. And sometimes you need a bit of a reminder or a bit of a strategy or some 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 tricks to doing that, to just flipping your mind. And it's that's like a coach. I would 
you know, if I was wanting to do, if I was wanting to play quarterback, I'd go and get, I'd get it worked out, right? I'd go and see someone who knew what they were talking about. This is something that I find, obviously I'm in the industry, so I'm within it, but it's something that just blows my mind. You said something about this at the beginning too, is like, if you want to get a job, you do certain sets of things to get yourself a job. If you want to lose weight, you cut your calories, you start exercising more, you eat healthier food. But what do we tell people? When they're looking for relationships, don't worry, it'll just happen. Yep. Now, if I wanted to learn German and you said to me, don't worry, it'll just happen, how inane that sounds. Right. But yes. this is the, the advice we give to other people. Yeah. It is not, ma- and I have, you know, I have a generation of women who believe that someday my prince will come. Uh, and a perfect 10, not a 9.5 will come sweep her off her feet without any work on her behalf, even though she's 45 and not in the same dating pool that she used to be in. And then I have a whole bunch of men who think uh, running towards a plane, uh, skirting security to declare their love, or showing up on people's doorsteps with placards saying, you should marry me, are the way to win women's hearts. Because this is is what we've been shown. I actually have been pitching a TV show around... um, Updating Hitch, making her a uh, female Indian immigrant New York City dating coach. Uh, um, because it hasn't, dating hasn't really been updated. And for me, what I get pissed about in the dating shows, trash is fine. Trash is fine. Everybody likes their trash TV. But there's nothing that gives anybody any takeaways for dating. If I watch Top Chef, I know that real isn't real. Like, I don't, the producers are picking the winners or they're taking edits from the first and the tenth things and mashing them together. That's fine. But I still get some takeaways. Like, oh, cool. I never would have thought to put pink Himalayan salt with smelt. I have something in my head now. I took something away from that. And there's nothing on the landscape right now at all for men or women that can entertain and educate yeah. at the same time. It's so interesting because, uh, you know, we romanticize love and it was all in the movies and now reality tv is an extension of that except it's except it i I think that differentiation between fiction and non-fiction is actually bigger you know you knew it was a movie but this stuff is like oh if i go on this show everything could be fixed right this person went on we got we got pseudo celebrities in vancouver as a byproduct of being on those shows it's like oh life-changing right and it's Anyway, it's weird, it, and it does sell. It sells a certain dream, um, and it's just you know relationships are work. They're hard work, and they're consistent work. Then they're, they're not really built for the cameras, and and Mm-mm. the happy endings. You know, and I don't want to doom and gloom it, but but just to say, you know, they're work. Oh yeah, uh, to quote the great poet Taylor Swift, it's uh it's gonna last forever, or it's gonna crash and burn. Like there's only two ways for it to go like that's it yeah i think people also need to understand that like failing or whatever like edison said i didn't fail uh to i I just found 254 ways of not doing it you know (laughs) but i don't think people get that that it's part of the process and so what one of the things that i coach on is trying to like we all we've all worked out but working out is painful usually the human body moves away from pain. But why do we move towards this pain? Because we've linked it to the future pleasure of how we're going to look, how we're going to feel, how we're going to be perceived, whatever our own carrot is. Now, if we can find a way to give our link, this current uncomfortableness of dating, current pain to a future pleasure of 
being in a relationship, being an interesting person, you know, being someone that someone else desires, then it's part of the process and it makes that pain much easier to deal with because you understand that it's a process getting you somewhere. Yeah. And again, that pain isn't real. We right. manufacture it. But yep. that doesn't mean that it isn't hard. And like what you said too, is like we have to create new synapses. We have to create new brain pathways. And that is hard. We have to literally retrain the brain. One of the worksheets I give to my clients is the uh, uh, countering negative thoughts. You know, it's like, okay, every negative thought you have, you got to write a positive thought of that. Like, he's looking at me because he thinks I'm ugly. He's looking at me because he thinks I'm pretty. Yeah. My, I think somebody told me one time, but life has a pro, everything in life has a pro and a con list. You just get to choose which side you want to look at. Yeah. And so a lot of my coaching is just mindset. I mean, most of this is mental anyways, and, and how to just be a better human being, how to be more in touch with yourself, how to know what you want, how to understand the machinations of society. Because I tell my first session with all my clients said, okay, this is going to take a while because dating is a mix of biology, sociology, psychology, and anthropology. By definition, so is kind of everything we do because they're the four tenets of humanity. But I mentioned that because to understand our own motivations, the motivations of the person sitting across from you, the motivations of society at large, we have to focus on different aspects of these to understand what's going on so that we can control for it better. Like As an example, I give to my friends, I said, if you look across the room and you see someone, oh, that person looks cool, I'm going to go talk to them. Well, your brain just did 100 calculations. Where are they? Who are they talking to? What's their body language? What are they wearing? What are they eating? What are they drinking? You know, whose house is it? Without you even realizing that that happened. So if you can kind of slow that down a little bit so you can kind of understand what's going on in our minds in general, it can be so much more helpful to understand things start to make a little bit more sense. I feel like it's kind of like looking behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. It's like, oh, really? That's it? I'm like, yeah, that's that's it. It's, it's not, it is work, but it's it's, I guess I would say it is a language that if you don't know it, it seems ridiculously complex and like seeing letters in your numbers for the first time. Yeah. But once you can start to understand it, just like understanding just human nature, like, oh, this, this, so all I have to do is walk up and say, hello. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, to prove a point one time, my one of my clients, I take them out on site coaching sometimes too, so I can, you know, adjust like, let's go try and talk to this, let's go try and talk to that. I don't take them to like meet girls or meet women, I take them to like networking events so we can practice talking to, to everybody. But one guy just thought you had to have the perfect line. And I was like, okay, give me any sentence in the English language, anything you want. And I'm going to use that sentence for the next approach. That I walk up to, to and he it wasn't that creative luckily because he could have had fun with me said something like I don't know it's like um those oranges look awesome you know we're in New York City so that sounds weird so okay walk right up to these girls I'm like those oranges look awesome they're like what I'm like I think that'd be the name of my boat if I ever got one what about you what would you name your boat oh I think it and he's like how did, what, what just happened there I'm like see see yeah like people just, and I think that that's another thing too, is that we, I think sometimes the men and the women are trying to reach an ideal that the other side, an ideal that the other side doesn't necessarily want. Right. You know, you see the guys trying to get huge and swole in the gym. It's not necessarily what the, the ladies are looking for. You see the ladies trying to lose all their weight and get, you know, flaquita. And that's not necessarily what all the guys want too. So, I mean, that's why I'm fascinated by this world. It's, it's human nature is a microcosm. Yeah. Um, so 
let me uh, I want to ask a few more questions too. Um, why do you think relationship endings seem to affect men more? Is it because of the lack of resources or the lack of knowing how to deal with one's own emotions? Um, yeah, all of that. You know, I think um, I think uh, there's a bevy of emotions that go with it, and um, I think my sense of those emotions that they're often discordant. So the idea that you might be relieved and regretful at the same time, for example. Mm, cognitive um, dissonance. Yeah, right. So then so then you're like, oh, I'm going to have to sit with that to make sense of it. And, of course, the, the, the go-to is to, you know, go out with your mates and get on the booze and wash it away and uh, because it's not making sense and, and you're looking for a rational moment in okay. something that's highly just it's it's not ready to be deconstructed it just you just got to sit with it and and so trying to get guys to just kind of think through that is one of the things um that's really really helpful and the timing of that has to be right um so i think that that troubles guys i think the the notion that um the rejection or the failure or both that something just didn't work out i think i think cuts to the quick on a lot of guys you know that that idea of wanting to belong it is a paired society like yep. we do value that and and so if you're kind of by your lonesome you look lonely and you probably are feeling lonely in the aftermath of this where you might close off and i think there's there's that feeling you know when something ends that um you don't want to trouble other people like you don't like you don't want to belabor the ins and outs of it and whine about it you kind of like want to move on but that's going to take a little bit of time. So I think guys, you know, are usually in a hurry to to be okay, uh, to be back where they were, to be better than they were and stuff. And and that, that again, the relationship, especially when it was, if it was distressed, the hangover of that plus the aftermath of the breakup and if it's something involving third parties with kids and alimony and the rest of it, it's like this is really complex work that's that's you know just converging on guys and so i do think they they do it tough because they tend to isolate um as a as an initial way either to make sense or just dull it down and um and really you know the opposite is true needs to be some time to, to yourself but there also needs to be that reaching out to to kind of to work this work through this you know yeah. I, mean, I, tell, I, I, I describe it as a death you, you have yeah. it's, it is it is the death of a relationship it is the death of a possible future mm -hmm. it is the death of a possible of a possible you you will be a different person after this yeah. and so i think if you can look at it as a death you can understand the grieving process a little bit more to understand oh. how you how you get through that yeah. or, or where you are along the process you know? yeah yeah yeah, and just mapping it and, you know, just strategy, just just strategy in the short term for how am I going to, how am I just going to feel a little bit better? How am I going to buoy myself a little bit? And it might be the simple things that you forgot to do in the relationship. And uh, it's always lost, the simple things. It's you know? always the simple always. things. It's always, always the little things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, there was uh, so... I'm actually uh, talking with another couple of scientists about working on our own study um, to look and see if there's a causal link between job hopping and relationship hopping. 
and and see if that if if it coincides directly or it's just something that's happened alongside each other um but and, and then we were thinking about adding Zillow to that as well the sort of gamification of these milestones yeah and and do they all affect each other and and you know does one influence the other so I'm 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 excited to see where that goes oh my like for me the biggest thing that I if I could have my name on a study someday oh my gosh that that's that's like my little rock star moment so <laughs> that's exciting for me um well I want to um I'm, as much as I could sit and talk for two weeks solid on all of this stuff and as much I would, would love to uh have you back and talk more about some of your other studies too which you need to send me so I can read them absolutely um is there anything that, that you see that you would like, you know, advice for men that, that you see out there or things, you know, words of wisdom from the inside? Um, just that, you know, I, I guess the main thing is that you're not alone in it, right? Um, you know, you're not alone in a distressed relationship. You're not alone in a disrupted relationship. You're not alone in relationships that are going really, really well. You know, um, there, there's, there's, uh, there's folks out there that are going through a lot of stuff. I just would say that the privacy of people's intimate partner relationships doesn't always allow us to know what's going on for other people and also stops us from speaking to what might be considered almost the other life, you know, because there's the work life, there's a the recreational life, and then there's this this other piece that's that's a core value for you, you know, in relationships. So just, just to say, um, I think, you know, as simple as it is, if there's an anecdote or a remedy to this, it, it is to ask people what's going on for them, especially guys, you know, like um, I had a mate I hadn't caught up with for ages and, and we, I was worried, but I didn't know how to break the ice or re-break the ice. And, you know, I was really pleased that we were able to get together and, and catch up and there was nothing going on, but I, but I asked directly, I, you know, I said, I've been really worried about you, you know, and it was just, it was some other stuff, it was work stuff that kept him busy. But it's just to say, you know, I think we, we've got to be a bit braver in our, our approaches, you know, to- And to it's something out. that you mentioned in here too, and that we know very well as, as well, ladies, if a man opens up to you, allow him to, because if you, laugh or consider it unmanly or ever use that information against him in any sort of a way he will shut down forever um and i know that that's a that's a hard dichotomy too because you have the women said i need i don't need a man that's in touch with his emotions but if he cries at a horse commercial i i, I don't find that manly you know and again we're trying to define the word masculine, you know, what is masculine, what is manly. I think I have back here, uh, first find the man inside you before you can, um, before you can inspire manliness in others. Right. Um, yeah. and I think I like it because of how complex that statement is. What, yeah. find the man in you, who, who is the man in you? What type of man are you? And then what type of man, what, what is manliness, you know, to, yeah. to all of us. And, and, and I think one of the things that's hard for guys too, is especially in, sports-based societies mm -hmm. you see the them or in high school is like the apex and if you're a a nerdy uh untalented guy you don't you this masculinity is 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 kept away from you 
you are not allowed to participate in this type of masculinity. So how, what type of masculinity is available to you? And, you know, that's where you get these fedoras and katanas and all these, you know, Cary Grant to samurais, all these different, we're trying on these different types of masculinity, I think, trying to figure out how, how to be a man, what is, you know, in this society. So, you know, that's a large question that I'm sure we'll figure out exactly the next time we talk. Yeah, yeah. And ju but just to say, I, I, that that plurality of masculinities is, is, is so important to keep in mind. And I love that your reference to it's me, then we. You've got to know who you are and what you value to be any good and show up. And, and so, again, um, it's just working it through those things. But that plurality of how we can be as men, I think, is just key to try and relax guys a little bit that that you know um it's it's your script you know it's, it hasn't been written yet you know like it's your it's your deal you work it out you know well thank you i really appreciate it keep doing the good work you are doing i'm looking forward to seeing i mean i'm looking forward in a macabre sort of way to see all the data that comes out of the last three years but um <laughs> it will be fascinating if nothing else so again thank you so much for coming and i look forward to our next conversation Thanks a lot. Cheers, man. Thank you for listening to Hunt for Relationship Science. If you like what you heard here and you'd like to learn more, please check out my articles and videos at huntforadvice.com. You can also follow me at Quest for Advice on Instagram, as well as find me on LinkedIn. And please follow all of our guests as well. You can find their information in the liner notes. I'm Hunt, signing off changing the world one smile at a time.